0: Five. Here's, Ethan. Wait, 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 wait. Hold on. Here's where you put the. Uh, okay. Here's where you put the music in the actual. We audio haven't started podcast. the homemade camera
1: podcast yet. This is where it's going to. Okay. Okay, so Ethan, we make cameras. Uh, we make cameras out of wood. We make cameras out of plastic and metal and parts of other old cameras. This is this is really good audio as I move things around. Uh, we make cameras out of uh, parts that we find, um, I, um, posted on Instagram, a, uh, my old laser printer out on the trash can. And it. um, and one of the people wrote it, and I wa- was asking for a recommendation of a replacement printer. And, um, and one of the comments was, oh, for a minute there, I thought you made a camera out of that laser printer. Okay. So we have... Uh, the ability to change formats. We, we are not limited to um, uh, to 24 millimeters by 36 millimeters of a standard 35 millimeter frame. We're not um, uh, limited to six four five, six 6x6, 6x9, 6x12, 6x17, or 18, 6x24. We're not limited to those things. Um, we're not limited even sub, um, 35 millimeters. So, um, uh, sub miniature, um, size. So where do you, Ethan, where do you put your cutoff for different format sizes? Um, do you, or do you even care? Is it just one fluid motion and, um you know anything between uh 20 by 24 inches and um the size of an 8 mm um video or, or movie frame um where do you where do you put your your um classifications Yeah i mean i would use
0: any of that uh like 8 mm movies although generally i just shoot digital movies. Um, When shooting film, I think half frame is really cool. Um, I don't design anything smaller than 35 millimeter just because making big stuff like the actual manufacturing process is a lot easier than making small stuff just because...
1: What is the smallest frame size? Is it that you've made? um, Is it a Bronco pan? Is that the smallest frame size? Trying to think, I've, I mean, I think I've, that's the smallest of your products, but yeah. what have you, what have yeah, you, yeah, of my
0: products? That's the smallest, you know. I've made a couple like standard size 35 millimeter pinholes, and then you know, I redrew the um, but what, what was it, the frozen photon, uh, the 24 okay. millimeter square one, uh, yeah. which was not my product, that was yours a long, long square. time ago, yeah. um, uh,
1: it, and that was 24 by 24 millimeters, so mm-hmm. it was a square. Thirty-five millimeter frame, without and that showing was
0: brackets. before you really
1: had good printers. And
0: mm-hmm. I had a good deal of difficulty figuring out supports for such a tiny film gate that would be clean, and uh, it was it was a tricky one. But yeah, I mean, I really kind of have stayed away from building thirty-five millimeter cameras product-wise because there's a lot of good thirty-five millimeter cameras out there. They're a lot cheaper than I can build them for. And you know, they had multi million dollar factories building them. Yeah, like your thirty
1: dollars post paid, perfect,
0: absolutely nothing. Yeah, can't compete with that. Coaching did a great job. <laughs> so yeah. you know there's that, and then like on the upper end, I would say twenty by twenty four is kind of the reasonable sheet of paper that I can get or uh maybe a sheet of film. So
1: Yeah, we're not I, Brendan barry yeah um, I mean, I wouldn't
0: be opposed to turning a skyscraper into a
1: camera. I think that was one of the coolest things I've seen. but um I, th- I, I want to do the container. The problem with the container is you'd just be taking pictures of your garage <laughs> <laughs> right if you if you had a container size, yeah I, but anyway. I'd need to hire some elephants to walk in front yeah. of or or well, I mean, we can also you know, if we talk about ultra large um you know, little miss sunshine. Um, Heather's um, is, you know, I don't even remember what the size is. Is it? Yeah,
0: Heather was not bothered by what she could get. She had tape, so
1: it's fine. yeah, magnets. She had <laughs> right. magnets, but yeah, right, yeah, yeah. So okay, so you're you're not really concerned. You don't you don't really think of a camera being thirty, uh, you know, uh, miniature, thirty-five, or or standard, then medium, then large. Um, miniature half frame, that type of thing. You just do. You, do you even classify them by what film, um, or recording media they take?
0: Yeah, I, mean, I think about it. I guess it just depends on like what I want to make or what somebody has requested that I think is a good idea to make. Uh Okay. Yeah, I mean, I, I shoot a lot of different formats, right? You, you too. Um, I like building large format cameras. Uh-huh. They're. A lot simpler, uh, but you know, they have their their issues like a thousand pounds of wood in my yard type of deal. But uh
1: you yeah, know I am
0: I'm, I'm not to the point like you where I'm sawing down trees and milling them into
1: cameras. Yeah, <laughs> it's, yeah, it's yeah. A yeah. Craziness. Um, my, also we my, have no trees here. Yeah, my um wood drying rack fell over and spilled everything. Uh I've got it. <laughs> fix that. Just got to so them out to
0: Albuquerque, they'll dry in like <laughs>
1: right. Yeah, just just ship it to Al- Albuquerque, put it in your yard then ship it back. It's kiln dried. Um, uh, Nick, what do you think about when you think about format divisions?
2: Uh, so since I usually make cameras out of old pieces of cameras, then I mm-hmm. and I pretty much focus on uh, roll film holders for most of my builds. It's just straightforward. Whatever the roll film holder's format is, that's what I design the camera mm-hmm. to work with. Uh, but that's going to shift um, because I'm pushing more and more towards hybrid ways of working, and I think yeah. I will be building cameras that are that have that aren't based on traditional formats at all because uh, of some ideas I have combining digital and alternative processes and using more and more kind of stitching Mm -hmm. um, and just kind of breaking away from the older formats. Really what I want to do is come up with various ways to make really oversized negatives for contact printing. Um, Mm -hmm. And I've got a whole different tracks to try out and see what works. So yeah, I guess I'll be getting away from the, except I mean, I love, I love roll film, so I'm never going to stop using those roll film holders um, for 120 format, just yes. because they're so handy and I like the
1: size. I like the, the films. And, yeah. Okay. So here's another question for both of you. That's kind of a follow-up. What format have you found you like to design for? And when I say <laughs> format, I'm talking film format. What size film slash paper slash... Um digital sensor do you like uh designing for the most and this is yeah. a like. this isn't a what do you yeah like most for?
2: so I already answered that essentially six by six, six by seven, six by nine, yeah, yeah, okay, and four by five
1: yeah yeah,
2: ethan, what about you
0: um <clears throat> you know i think I, I don't i think it's a good question, but I don't have a good answer to it, i think. You know, I've really enjoyed making a lot of different things. You know, I I loved making the Bronco Pan, um, uh, mm-hmm. you know, and that was not a format that I ever wanted to shoot until I had it, and I loved that format. Um, but mm-hmm. I had somebody that I loved who loved that format and was, you know, excited about doing that. Kind of the same deal actually for the Homunculus, right? I was not. I mean, I love six by nine. I was not into that camera i was like you know nick twisted my arm to get me to start and then you know mm-hmm. 3 days later i was in it and like totally absorbed and uh i loved that you know uh like you, you couldn't have stopped me for mm-hmm. the months that it took back and forth and yeah um you know i i would like to design some more medium format cameras those are backburnered um the next formats that i want to do are you know large large stuff for uh, paper positives um you know i think this is an interesting discussion given you know our surprise guest for next week uh mm-hmm. who uh, not only designs cameras around specific formats but around specific you know alternate processes which you know, i'm excited to talk to our special guest about that um oh in in that i've been designing some cameras for uh
1: why why don't we just why don't we just say who it is is there a reason why what what if he
0: or she decides she doesn't want to talk to us after seeing this episode (laughs) (laughs) i love
1: that i love i love the idea of what if he or she doesn't want to talk about uh, talk to us if she uh man, <laughs> you know that's fifty so, percent of the population. well sorry, that's forty-nine percent of the population immediately. Uh, it's my mom. So, so it's my mom. So <laughs> I wanted
2: okay. to I wanted throw I wanted to add in that um, that I've been getting more and more excited about panoramic formats, whatever it doesn't matter what film is.
1: Yeah. And the,
2: the shape that I'm really liking are kind of anything between six by twelve and the kind of really long like X Pan shape. Yeah, Uh, so those are really appealing too.
1: the, the only camera right now. Well, actually there are two cameras that I have gas for. Um, and one of them is, um, the Sputnik, the Lomo Sputnik, which is the, uh, six by six Lomography, old Lomography, original Lomography made, um, a stereo camera. Uh, I did buy one um, over uh, over the holidays. It arrived from, uh, I think it was Belarus, um, and it was broken because you look at them wrong and they're out of adjustment. So I had to send it back. I did get fully refunded. Uh, I'm just a little bit shy of those. And the other one um, is, uh, all, well, it's KMZ, uh, but Lomo also sells them and that is the horizon or Horizont or um uh you know that series because i you know uh because i can't afford a wide lux right oh, you know dude. like everybody else in the world that um, is the only camera i have ever
0: not bothered repairing and smashed on the ground uh in front of my shop in the parking lot just
1: a wide lux me. i think Damn. that
0: no not a wide lux
1: never uh, the, the horizon, horizon
0: the earlier metal one that looks like it's a higher quality uh, build than the newer yeah. plastic ones
1: i'm looking at the the horizon
0: s2 which are s3 those are the newer plastic body ones yeah those are the newer like ones, yeah. ones yeah i think those yeah, are a little th- bit better actually mine just yeah. tore sprockets it, it never mm-hmm. uh, advanced properly oh. i took it on a trip i came home it had shredded all of my film and it, I just, I had had it, I had smashed it and threw it in the trash. Mm -hmm.
2: Well, I have my old thrift store Kodak panoram, and I think I'm just going to create my own mechanism instead of trying to restore it. Uh, Mm -hmm. and I definitely like the swing lens a lot. It's It's strange enough to be fun.
1: Yeah. Yeah,
2: exactly. So I have some drawings of the
0: swing lens from our episode with Hervé uh yeah <laughs> i couldn't
1: help myself after that one um so now i would say let's start the homemade camera podcast but ethan unfortunately already ran that role well, he already ran that opening i believe
2: we could always uh, start again okay I'll yeah i just it did in.
1: it again okay, you guys okay, want to start the homemade camera podcast let's and do video it. show <laughs> so Ethan this is the first show we've done in a while why is that
0: uh, I
1: I don't know
0: <laughs> what were we up to
1: didn't you have some rodents running around your uh, your shop that you had to put in a box and mail off to people yeah, I was, I who, was, held, uh, who supported your
0: kickstarter I was very busy getting those out I think we built this camera we have all of the extras uh, over there but I shipped almost 100 of those so far and uh okay yeah yeah i'm i'm done with that i think
1: i'm wondering that what is it
0: who haven't filled out their surveys i have their
1: units over here but yeah what is that the prairie dog the um the gopher the gopher the gopher gopher Um, film
0: scanner the chipmunk um no it's the uh the mongoose was mongoose last product Um, did,
1: did, I, did I ever mention, um, uh, Nick, you're old enough. Ethan, you are not. In the 1970s, particularly on ABC's Saturday afternoon sports programming, like the wide world of sports, one of the things that they covered more heavily than I've seen in the past or seen since is drag racing. Do you remember, you know, people like Big Daddy Don Garlick's, Uh, You remember that? Nick?
2: Uh, I never had a television in the 70s, uh, so no. I missed uh, all television until uh, in the late 80s, Are mid-80s.
1: Okay, so um, there <laughs> I were... I was not have eyes. were more relevant. <laughs> yeah, there was a drag racer in the 1970s, and I don't remember who it was, but his nickname was The Snake. Or his car's nickname was the snake. And this other guy came and trolled him because his nickname, his car's nickname was the mongoose. And they, you know, I mean, they were like number one, number two, and they just fought all the time. So, which, you know, is appropriate as the mongoose eats snakes and snakes of film, right? There we go. So okay. my
2: my parents used to go to uh drag races in Louisiana in the nineteen fifties. Uh-huh. Um, that involved, you know, a lot of rubber getting turned to smoke. And people in the stands, one of the things they would yell is, Great smoking gumballs. <laughs>
1: <laughs> okay. Thank you for that time traveling little thing. So so um uh Ethan, what have you been up to lately? What have you been up to?
0: Well, I finished the mongoose. I took like a week off, I went
1: hiking, I read
0: a book, I took mm. two-day naps, it was very right. nice. Um and then, you know, I had been thinking about getting into some other projects which I've told you guys about and some things uh-huh. that I've talked about on the podcast, like you know, ultra-large self-developing cameras. Um, and sort of about a week, uh, later I started ordering prototype parts. I, I bought $147 and 53 cents worth of bolts on Amazon the other day. Um, (laughs) and O-rings, but, um, you know, about two weeks after I shipped the first batch of Mongoose, I get an email from a customer and he says, excuse me, uh, this is great. I love it. Um. Now, make me one for mounted slides, and I said, "Look, you know, if I'm going to prototype a mounted slide holder, <clears throat> excuse me um you know the the physical mechanism to change the slides I'm going to charge you five or ten thousand dollars at least and mm-hmm. and it's going to be bad in comparison to something like a Kodak slide projector, which they made by the millions that worked perfectly. they're like die cast." And they're 80 bucks on eBay. So I'll tell you what I'll do. Um, You know, so I'll take it back is uh, I have a family friend. I probably talked about him a little bit on the podcast before. Mike, who went to high school with my dad, was they were in the photo club together. And then he married my mom's best friend. And so he's kind of like my uncle. His kids are like my cousins. And um, he was a professional photographer for... You know his entire adult life he just retired like last year or a year ago and um he called me about a year and a half ago pre-mongoose and i i didn't like put these things together uh and he said you know i'm retiring the, the kids are out of the house like i, I kind of want to get rid of some of this stuff and he had like 10 filing cabinets filled with full kodak carousels like he archived <laughs> his slides and carousels. Like, Put them in a damn binder. They'll compress down <laughs> to one drawer. But anyway, he's he said his solution was to pull the lens off a projector, take his Nikon D something or other with a macro lens, point it into the projector at the film gate, and um, then he had a remote trigger for the Nikon and a remote trigger for the projector, and he would like boop the the, the projector and then boop the camera and like just alternate through. 140 times or 80 times depending upon the size of the carousel and he had you know pretty good results but he was getting pretty tired of this and had given up on it he calls me like a year and a half ago he says Ethan can you make me a trigger that just like triggers one and then triggers the other it'll be simple uh just do it
2: and I said sure right he was he was using way too much processing power for that process
0: yeah yes yes he's using his (laughs) whole body um And so I said, okay, you know, give me a week or two. And he said, well, you know, like, I'm I'm kind of busy doing other things. I like to swim now. Like, you know, this was pre-pandemic and the closing of the pool. And and so he said, like, maybe, like, I'll let you know when, I, when I'm back to thinking about scanning slides. And so I just sort of put it in the back of my head and forgot about it until I got this email from my very satisfied Mongoose customer who said, I would like one that advances slides. And, you know, this light sort of went off like okay here's two people that want this plus you know my uncle has my actual uncle has uh all my grandpa's slides from 1940 something to you know 1993 or 94 um tens of thousands i'm sure um and so i said i emailed him back i said look you know i could charge you ten thousand dollars and make a terrible Slide advancing machine, and it's going to take me months, and you know, it'll be made out of plastic, which be fine. But why don't you just buy a Kodak slide projector on eBay for $80 with shipping? Or you probably have five of them if you have enough slides to make this request, which he did, by the way. And I'll make you a trigger, right? You set up the camera on a tripod with a macro lens, Uh, you set up the projector, and the trigger will trigger one, wait trigger the other and wait and um said great and i said you know i don't know that this is a product this was a couple of weeks back um you know like would you uh like i i'll do a custom job for you and i thought you know the job would take like a little less than a week and um I thought, okay, I won't charge you for a week's worth of work, I'll charge you for like a half a day's worth of work, but like, still I, I gave him a price and he was like too much. Which, no no offense <laughs> taken, right? Like, he was valuing the product and I was valuing my time. I don't think he was saying Ethan needs to work for $35 a day, but um, you know, I think I think when he was looking at the thing, like, people don't really understand when you build a one-off machine, they're wildly expensive, even at a you know uh 80 discount and so i said okay you know no offense taken but i'm i just i can't i can't do that i can't work for a week for free to make one machine but tell you what i'll see if anybody else wants them right i don't know i know two people in my life who would want such a thing they'd probably pay a few hundred dollars for it but um it might not be worth it. I like I'm always up against this sort of crazy idea, I want to do it, but it eats a week or a month or 3 months or 6 months worth of time. Am I going to be able to move on to a next product or am I going to be homeless uh for doing it? And so um <clears throat> I put this uh post on Instagram and I said like uh Who would spend $300, which was like what what he quoted me, said I would be willing to pay $300. Who would spend $300 on a device that can scan slides, mounted slides, uh, one every two seconds about, and you have to bring your own camera, macro lens, and projector. And like within an hour, I had like 15 people say, yes, I'll take one. Where do I send the money?
1: Yeah, I, I understand <laughs> that because I'm, right off the top of my head, I can name probably four people who need this. Yeah. And and <laughs> so
0: I said, like, okay, okay. okay. Uh, I will try and see, uh, let, let me see what I could do. And, you know, I had learned a lot of things from the mongoose. There the some R&D there. I still have 150 pounds of leftover parts for the mongoose. Uh, preventing me from getting to my uh, digital camera lenses and prototypes cabinet. Um, And so I sat down and, like, in two days I had a working prototype that was a mess of wires on my my desk. And, like, because this thing has no uh, mechanical parts that move and because it has no sensors, it was a very simple type of thing to make. But, you know, then I had some boards made in China and then... I, uh, tested a few different parts. I made a couple of different housings and laser cut frames for it. So I blew through way more than the $300 offered for the product just to make the first one. Right. Uh, mm. because like, you know, I, I bought some fancy led light bulbs, um, and you can only buy them in huge packs. And so like, it just didn't make sense for one, but I, I, at this point knew that I'd, I'd sell at least 10 of them. Um, and so I made this thing, it's, uh, I've been calling it the boop, now, boop trigger. Oh yeah.
1: Is, is that, um, based on the mongoose controller? I mean, is it just a different, uh, firmware from the mongoose? Um, it's actually a different
0: control box entirely from the mongoose. It shares a lot of the, um, things that I learned, but this is, a from scratch thing. So the mongoose has a bunch of ports to do a lot of other things. There's about like seven secret modules that I have not released for it. Um, but this was just easier for me mm-hmm. to like strip it down. You know, this is maybe five, 600 lines of code. The mongoose has 7,000 um, and it allowed mm-hmm. me to add some different hardware. So um, the mongoose doesn't have all of the hardware necessary for this. And I learned some things and made some improvements. So like this box, this box, excuse me, is uh, 3D printed, it has uh, some much sturdier ports, you know, it shares the LCD screen and the buttons and the knob controller and sort of the look of the Mongoose, but um, it's got a new control board inside, it's got some different modules in there, to do what it does, but um, yeah, it just sort of philosophically takes from the Mongoose. Okay. So when,
2: when I was trying to imagine making this device, what I thought of was an Uh, an adjustable mechanical metronome and two switches. Yep. Does does this do more? (laughs) Um, Nope. It does not.
0: I mean, so uh, (laughs) there would be problems with the adjustable mechanical metronome (laughs) that would be 100... You were absolutely correct. And this has... I I thought about, like, could you use a Grey Lab timer to do this? You know, or a set of Grey Lab timers? And the answer is, like, yeah, but, like, you would be constantly pushing them down. It would be no easier than just pressing the two cable releases. Uh, (laughs) But, you know, it would be funny. Um, The the big issue uh, is, so there are four uh, times that this thing respects uh, in Mm -hmm. a cycle. And so you would think, like, you trigger the camera, you wait for the camera to take its picture, you trigger the projector, you wait for the projector to drop a slide in, uh, and then... You just repeat over and over but it's a little bit more complicated than that there's um like the mongoose there's a triggering interval which uh, is basically how long the contacts are closed which is analogous to how long you hold the button on your camera or the shutter right uh, release or the, the projector uh, button which is not how long it takes to advance it's just how long does it take to trigger that thing and like to get maximum efficiency you want that interval to be as short as possible right you just want to touch the button and move on uh, but if you touch too fast you know this is the projector at least is 1990s at best technology and so it, it takes a little longer right about 16 milliseconds to trigger a projector so there are those two intervals and then the weights between them and then i got a little fancier on this one like while it's doing its job it says working dot 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 and then while it's ready it says ready and i gave it a uh, Excuse me, a frame counter. So, as you take pictures, it says frame one, frame two, frame three, just like the mongoose. Nice. And you yeah. can pause it and restart right. it, and you can. Reset and when it that when number. it runs
2: out of when it runs out of slides, it doesn't just keep going and going. <laughs> right. So, well, right. when you get to
0: the so you set one of the settings is like so you set those four um, four times, and then you set the maximum number of slides and whether the beep is on or off and so when it gets to the maximum number of slides it just goes beep 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 and then stops although uh you can set from 1 to 200 slides um 1 to 199 it'll stop at the number if you set it to 200 it's like the secret uh infinity mode right where it'll just go like for a year and not it'll never stop basically until your uh power shuts down um and the reason I did that is because um I you know my, my uh my friend mike has everything in carousels already which is insane to me it's like he's paying new york city property taxes on on you know hundreds of carousels that could be compressed into a binder but um i don't want to sit there and load a carousel like the the, the whole thing is like this device is an easy button and so i spent 27 dollars on ebay and i got a stack loader for a kodak carousel which. Are super plentiful i had never seen one in person before i don't know why and it just allows you to put a stack of slides in, and it'll advance through them it won't reverse for like slideshows but um you know it was like brand new there's a ton of them on ebay and i thought okay if you're doing like an archive like my grandpa's archive and you're taking them out of pages or boxes you just put a stack in tell it to go and like if there's somebody there watching it you could just set it to 200 and it'll go all day and like you know, when, when it's down to two slides in the loader, you just put the next hundred in and cycle through. And you could just basically run this thing all day, taking a, a picture every two seconds. I, th- I calculated, like, in a work day you could do something like 15,000 slides.
2: So I, I have a question that goes with this. Um, I have an old Kodak uh, carousel projector that I like. Um, used it for many, many years. But the bulbs are extremely expensive, relatively short-lived. I imagine you can still buy them but what i'm curious about is would it, since you're not trying to project across a room you don't need as much intensity could you replace that with an led or something like that
1: yes
0: um that's a great right. great question and leading maybe you saw my my video that i have not released yet but um so there's a couple of things you know when when this customer uh requested this thing i said look You know, I'll make you a system, $15,000. Like, not seriously that I would do this, although if he paid me, I would, you know, do it. Not even think he would spend $15,000. He could just send his slides to get digitized by somebody else, pay pay a kid in an Epson. But, um, you know, to make it $300, uh, he had to meet me part of the way, which was buy his own projector and camera and lens and do the setup. So there are a couple of things that the user must do and a couple of things that the user can do to make the setup, right? So I'm just selling a trigger. I'm not selling a scanner, right? This is just a piece of a setup. It's a good piece, it's clever, it's useful. It's expensive for what it is, but uh, very cheap for what it does. Um, And so the first thing that you have to do is either um, take the remote and cut it and then splice in, I send like a, pigtail connector for this uh, xt60 uh, plug that triggers the projector and so you know there's two pins in the projector wire that if you connect them it'll uh, advance the slide and so you take those two pins and you twist them up with um, the two wires I give you and then it plugs right into uh, the trigger Um, or you could get fancy like I did I took the screws out of the trigger and I just soldered two more Uh, cables on, so, you know, the remote is still fine, and it just has a little plug that comes out of the back of it. (coughs) Excuse me. Um, And you plug that into the trigger. So that's the first thing that you have to do. Um, um, Next thing that you have to do is, or that you can do, right? So this, to get back to your questions, like a whole roundabout thing, Um, you can just use a projector as is with a halogen bulb. But we all know those halogen bulbs are not necessarily the highest CRI, which is uh, basically Mm -hmm. like, uh, you know, the black body radiation curve determines uh, what, what spectrum of light you can see. And so they might not have, one, the best color fidelity. Two, they're super bright, right? So you'd probably have to use an ND filter, even at F22, uh, if your camera doesn't go down to a low ISO. Um, and that's less of a problem. That's More brightness is good in photography, but also they're super hot. And so when you open up a projector's lamp housing, it has a couple of things in it usually. It's got um, a halogen bulb, sometimes a mirror, depending upon how they're oriented. And then it has a condenser, but before the condenser lens, it has a heat shield so that the bulb doesn't crack the damn condenser. And, like, if you leave a slide in a projector too long, we all know it will melt or burn up. And even the heat from the lens will sort of um, heat up the slide and it'll sort of pop uh, or or sort of change its curvature right from... Flashing. Right, going out, of,
2: going out of focus, too, yeah.
0: Yeah, and so all of those things are... Workable and and usable with a standard uh, halogen bulb, but you can make it much better uh, with a little bit of modification. And so, I'm going to sell like little kits for people who want them, or people can do their own job. You know, I'm not going to make it a bundle because people will be bringing different projectors to this. But what I did was I pulled the halogen bulb out, I pulled the uh, condenser lens out, the condenser lens. Uh, you can use, but it requires that your camera is perfectly aligned. If you're off a little bit, which you don't want to be because it will skew the picture and the focus, but even just a hair, then you don't have even illumination because of that condenser lens sending almost parallel light through the slide. So I pulled the condenser lens out, and I pulled the heat shield out. I didn't need it. And then I just got a little 95 plus CRI LED lamp, which was a very expensive lamp, and I had to buy a whole ton of them because you can't just buy one. Um, where I didn't know where to buy one. Um, and so it has really good spectrum. It's very, uh, bright. It's 5,000 degrees K, so daylight balanced, and it puts out, you know, full spectrum and makes beautiful color. So I got this thing, it's in a halogen form factor, so it's very small, and I just stuck it in where the, uh, where the old halogen bulb went. And it didn't mount to the socket, so I got a socket and I just stuck the pigtails into where the halogen went. Um, And then I laser cut some white acrylic as a diffuser, just, you know, the same stuff that you would have on the front of a light box. Almost every light box has it. And I put that in the place of the condenser and um, and the heat shield. And, you know, all of these things just are meant to be replaced. So you open a clip and then you pull them out. There's no tinkering around and so you know i think i'll probably wind up selling a bunch of custom sets of you know you send me a diameter of your condenser and heat shield and i will send you a cut uh, piece of white acrylic just a disc or a square whatever your projector takes um, and then a led bulb and a socket and then you know the to make it cheap right the customer is not going to send me their projector and have me do it like I'll do it, but I'm going to charge you thousands of dollars to do it. Right. I'm not going to figure that part out for every individual person to take too much time. Uh, but it would take you, you know, 20, 30 minutes, uh, first time around and five second, uh, not that you have to do it multiple times to swap that bulb and you could swap it with anything or again, just sort of use it as is, um, or, you know, For a very reasonable price, I will sell a one-off LED bulb set of uh, pigtail sockets and uh, some custom uh, acrylic, or, you know, I'll meet people halfway, however they need to set it up. But, um, yeah, it's much dimmer. You can't really project with a diffuser and a dimmer bulb, but because you're just looking straight at the slide, you've basically turned the lamp housing into a light box.
2: So I'm thinking that if you mount your regular film your uh color print film in slide mounts this could be a mongoose killer
0: (laughs) yeah but but i mean uh, sure for anybody who wants to do that go ahead you know i haven't mounted this is part of the reason why i i didn't think it was a product initially is i haven't mounted slides i've shot slides for the last 25 years I haven't mounted them in 20 because at some point, you know, I had my own dark room and I was making Ilfa Chrome prints or sending them out and getting Chrome prints. And, you know, I mean, they make negative carriers for slides, but I didn't have one. And a negative carrier for a strip is much better. And so I just stopped mounting them. Plus I was shooting like 120 slides. and I never mounted those. I never owned a projector for those. And so, um, eventually I went to scanning on a flatbed and then, you know, with the uh, with the Nikon bellows, and then later on with the Mongoose and all of those demanded strips. And so the only slides that I had here, you know, my gr- uncle has my grandpa's collection, were slides that I hand-mounted with my mom's clothing iron when I was 13 years old <laughs> and developed in my bathtub with a thermometer trying to keep it at about 100 degrees. And the first batch that I found, half of the damn uh, little cut pieces of film like fell down within the cardboard slide where the glue had dried up and I didn't do a good job and and it took me a while to scavenge enough slides from my personal collection of mounted slides that you know were actually not falling apart um so I you know I don't I don't recommend people cut up all of their negatives into individual negatives and uh you know, <laughs> mount the so
2: That's a miserable process. I've thought of another um, another use for this converted projector with the cool LED light in it. You could use it to to as a as a way to digitally pro- project old slides directly. So you could set your digital camera on uh, to be you know to shoot video. <laughs> drop the slide, look at it on TV for a while, and then drop the next slide, look at it on TV for a while.
0: <laughs> or, or you could use this, this trigger to actually capture them and then project them on an LCD projector or TV. Yeah,
2: but it could become a slide sorter, essentially. It, it could.
0: Yeah, I guess. I guess that's not the craziest idea. It's not how I intended the thing to be used, but sure. I think, you know, so part of, part of the deal with this one is, like, I'm not going to run a Kickstarter. I'm going to, uh, for the time being, you know, I'm still unconvinced that, people there's a demand for them and so um i'm gonna sell like a small batch of prototypes just you know people can send me an email or a direct message on instagram and i will sell them one-offs and once that batch is done like if it sells out quick i'll then run a kickstarter or something and make a huge batch of them but you know i'm I'm wary of getting uh into that but one of the stipulations is that um they if you buy one i will only sell it in the prototype batch, uh, production prototype It's working and robust, but I will only sell it if you make me, you know, an Instagram video of your personal setup, which I'll then, you know, probably use for Kickstarter advertising. But part of this is, you know, I want to see how people set them up. Um, and people are going to have new and different ideas of what the hell to do with this thing uh, beyond what what I thought of. And I will then transfer that into my own advertising. <laughs>
1: I think Nick had something to say.
2: So, uh, yeah, so here's, here's my setup already. So I'm gonna, I'll tether the camera, uh, and as, as long as you have a pause button on that thing. I do. Because I don't want to save all my horrible old slides. I only want some of them. So if the camera's tethered, you can see the slide as you're working uh, fairly well and decide if you're going to
1: keep it or not. Nick, scan them all. And then right click, send to trash. Right click <laughs> send to trash. Yes. No. Yes. It's way faster. That is like, how so long much- does it
0: take <laughs> you to make the decision, right? Get a stack feeder. It's $27 shipped, like in brand new condition. You digitize them all and then like uh, I will guarantee uh, It's so much easier you, on a computer.
1: If you set the first, if you set the first batch to run. And you say it's 30, 30 slides.
2: No, it's hundreds and hundreds and hundreds. No, I'm
1: saying the first batch, the first carousel, 30 slides. You take that carousel off or you take that stack off, you run the next 30 slides. You'll be five batches in before you're done with that first set of slides, figuring out which ones to throw out. Yes. Yeah. You, you have a brand new computer. You are flush with hard drive space. Uh, well, so, just, I
0: yeah. mean, maybe this moves us on to the next segment, but like Nick just yeah. bought a new camera that's going to fill hard drives like crazy. <laughs>
1: uh huh. <laughs> he can't afford now, the hard drives now. Now, what's the format of this camera, Nick?
2: uh it's a it's the it's the cheapest medium format digital camera available right now and it and went on sale
1: format in a digital camera it's it uh expensive? it's basically it's
2: basically a it's a full frame sensor that's a little taller than normal so that you get a four by three aspect ratio instead of a two by three
1: so it's just full frame
2: no it's no. taller so it's a different <laughs> shape
1: I'm going gonna, I'm
2: gonna to bust your chops <laughs> on this. <laughs> that's right. That's, that's how you express you it. You could
1: have just gotten two Sony 7R blah, blah, and stacked them right on top of each other or, or glued for, them together. For six,
2: for six times the cost and a lot of pain.
1: Yeah. Yeah, yeah exactly. So you want to talk about that at all or you want to just pass by it until you have something really to say about it? Uh, no, I don't have a lot to say about it. It's, it's, it's
2: part of a plan of what I'm going to do next. So maybe if we talk about that later, it'll come into it.
1: Okay. Okay. That sounds good. Uh, we lost Ethan for a moment, but Ethan wanted me to turn my camera to color. For our next uh, little bit, I'm going to talk uh, about something that I have been doing. I'm assuming because Ethan ran off, he is done. But we have this camera, and some of you may have already seen it. So I have to, I have to do my little bit of music. So don't, 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 do Oh no. Don't don't. Okay, so this is the Star Destroyer. Um, the Star Destroyer is a wood camera that is still in prototype. I mean, if you these are the hinges, you know. So, so, so is got,
2: that is is that name a Star Destroyer? Is that a reference to some paparazzi? Uh, yeah, it is, yeah, it is. It right. is. It's
1: called Star Wars. The I mean, that is the first time you the first scene. <laughs> Okay. Um, All right, (laughs) Graham, I'm going to play Graham for a
0: second here. Uh, Describe what we're looking at.
1: Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. So uh, what this is, is it is a camera that is um, triangular in uh, profile. If you look from the top or the bottom, it's triangular. You look from the side, it's just a normal rectangular shape. Um, on the end is uh, a little bit of an extender um, helical mount because I built this out of wood and I didn't know exactly what my dimensions were going to be. I'll I'll show you guys that in a second. So I, I have a 3D printed um, little lens mount thing at the front. Uh, then I have a helical and it is one of those long throw helicals. And at the end, I have a fuji two ten um uh camera that'll um almost exactly oh Nick you're muted you, you just said something, but you're muted
2: uh yeah, you have a lens and a shutter mounted on your camera yeah, yeah
1: lens and a shutter good uh thanks for for mentioning that um it is it, it is just basically a triangle because it that is the sh- the shape and this is, you know, it houses a, um, a film advance and a film... <laughs> and it just fell all over the place as I opened the back. But uh, that film gate is 6x17, so it is a 6x17 camera. Um, oh,
0: is that this, a 3D printed film gate?
1: Yeah, the, the film gate... And the um, film advance, and I'm not getting the light right for you guys to see the film advance. Uh, But film advance, this is very similar to the film advance that you would get um, on a Kraken. Um, So um, I just, yeah, I just 3D printed that. And the reason why I didn't know what the distance, the flange distance to the film gate distance was is I wasn't sure exactly where this was gonna be placed because the back door is the pressure plate. Well, actually the, the back door, the back door pushes in the pressure plate. And this is a, uh, this sits across the back. And this um, uh, this, for those of you who are just listening, this is a rectangular piece of 3D printed plastic with a window to see a, um, you know, a, a 120 film numbering. And, and by like, window, you mean hole. A hole, yeah. It's the it's the normal, you know, ruby window.
0: Um, it's not just rectangular, but, right? It has some clever notches on there.
1: Yeah, it has some notches, and there are some corresponding notches on the actual film gate so that it doesn't move horizontally within the space. But this is the big technology that I have added and I'm about to show it. And that is 3d printed springs. Okay. So these 3d printed springs are, um, there are two parts. There's a holder that keeps them in place, but this is just normal PLA that's printed thinly and you just press down and it springs back. So when the back is put on it and you I have to yeah, okay. So, so I have the, a little light. So that's what's uh, known as a pressure plate you've created. Yeah, so it's yeah, so it's a pressure plate. So when the when the back is closed on it, it presses down on the film and creates a flat film point. So,
0: um, you know, I got to stop you and say like, you know, I, I love this camera. I think it is beautiful, but I am really, really impressed that you 3d printed leaf springs. Really good.
1: Okay. So let me tell you, let me tell you a second about this. So I need to tilt my camera down to show my t-shirt. So what is my (laughs) t-shirt? It's the 20th century camera, um, uh, t-shirt. And that is because. The idea for this came from a twenty uh twentieth century camera four by five spiral film uh development um uh, reel okay you better be careful's that,
0: got a patent on those reels
1: <laughs> well that's fine uh that's good i'm not I'm not doing you know uh, But what what I noticed about them was there where, there was flexibility and it didn't feel brittle at all. So that is the inspiration. So Jeff, thank you very much. Jeff Perry, 20th century camera. So then I thought, well, you know, why can't I do that with mine um, with this? So that is, this is the technology part of it. The non-technology part of it is I made it out of wood. Um, This wood is hickory. Uh the back is actually maple ply because I ran out of hickory.
2: <laughs> so so back in my day, day it's, back in it, my day machining wood was considered technology, but go on. Yeah,
1: yeah. Okay. So this is <laughs> this is an older technology. Um and Beautiful. this is quarter inch um by three inch um hickory. So a quarter inch is three millimeters. Uh that's not right. Quarter inch is six millimeters, um, an eighth of an inch is three millimeters. So um, so that's how thick this wood is. And uh, I bought a pack on Etsy um of this wood, and it was really, you know, it was pretty expensive. I think it cost me 40 bucks for like this is the size of a plank. Um
2: it's lovely though. That's
1: yeah, nice. and it's uh it takes the stain well. Although I did not do a great job of sanding on that side so um, so I'm gonna gonna talk about this really I'm gonna finish this up pretty quickly but let me um um I'll, I'll show you I'll put it in um, so this sit oh I've got it backwards okay so the film plate sits in uh, against the film gate and let me look at it okay. And then it has some notches, so it doesn't move back and forth. There's um, little teeth
2: projecting out of it yeah, through the notches in, in the plate. Yeah, Yeah,
1: they're just guides. And then this goes down. Um, that is my light seal. I have a, a strip foam like you would put in uh, like on a, a screen door or something. So that's your adjustable light leak oh, there. Yeah, well, let me show you something. <laughs> let me show you something. So this this is 6 by 17 um, You get four shots on a 120 roll. And uh, I'm going to share my screen right now. So I'm going to present. Uh, I think I'll do a window here. There it is. And um, this is as soon as it loads tell me confirm that you guys see my screen share hang on i have to pin okay.
0: your screen share okay yeah okay yeah
1: okay there we go so um you and you can take us off of it but um now this is i took four shots i've shot one roll do you guys know okay uh it's coming back do you guys notice the light leaks on this no, I do not. No. Neither, neither do I, because this is the first camera I have ever <laughs> made where I shot the first roll <laughs> and there were no light leaks.
0: <laughs> Very nice. Oh,
1: actually, I'm patting myself on the back, and then I'm going to grab the monkey and throw the monkey off my back. So, Very nice. um,. So, yeah, um, I'm going to...
2: So that's the name of this camera, then? The Monkey Free?
1: The Monkey... No. The name of this camera, is the Star Destroyer, because... Wow. Okay. Because it destroys stars. it appears stars. Uh, to be like the Star Destroyer from Star Wars. The Star Destroyer is the big imperial ship that, um, you know, like uh, Darth Vader's riding on. It's not the... Um, it's not the Death Star. It's the big triangular ship is what it is. So, so that's, um, that's one project. It is not complete. I mean, I, I have to figure out a hinge system um, because right now it's just held together by, um, by tape. Um, so it's, it's in development. Um, Actually, in, in st-
2: instead of a hinge, maybe just a couple little elastic loops that go over a peg. Uh, something like that.
1: Yeah, yeah, and in fact, actually, that's probably what I'm gonna do. Um, uh, you know, just get uh, stretchy paracord or or whatever. Um, here's something that I want to show you guys about the balance. Now, this is a visual, um, but that is pretty close to the center of gravity. Uh, so, for I'm those listening,
0: know, as most people will listen to this as a podcast. Graham's got his yeah. fingers right by the um, tripod socket, which is way up at the front of the triangle by the lens. I assume right. that lens and helix weighs as much as the whole camera.
1: Yeah. Yeah. About that. About that. So that's, um, that's something that um, I, I was pretty, I was pretty happy that that turned out.
2: Actually, it's kind of handy that you, it's where it is. Cause you're really close to the lens. So if you, I mean, and the very unlikely event that you wanted to spin this camera between shots to create, I don't know, 180 degree view or something. It's near the pivot point where it's... Just, yeah,
1: right. Yeah. Right. Absolutely. Um. So y- y- there would be some slight adjustments, but not, not a ton. Uh, so should I just go through the rest of mine or... Um, yeah. Okay. So uh, I've got quite a few projects. Okay, so... Um, Here, I'm going to, well, what the hell, I'll leave myself in color. Um, But the, um, uh, I wanted to buy a new car, so I sold uh, two packs of FP100C and button. I divested myself of all of my Fuji uh, instant film. Um, It wasn't quite enough to buy a car, but that means that I still have my Polaroid 450 uh, Polaroid Land camera. Um, There we go. Um, Which is, you know, it's really a tremendous camera. So I um, ground off. Here's the hinge pin. So I ground off the hinge pin and I don't know what I'm going to put in here but I'm gonna put some sort of roll film. Uh, I'm toying with 35 millimeter uh, and converting that into um, a 35 millimeter. Like a, like a half camera. frame camera? Yeah, like a half frame camera, uh, but it's gonna be a wide half frame. Uh-huh. Exactly. Um, I have, um, what's what's my motto about fidelity? Ethan, what's my motto about Fidelity? As highest quality possible is the only as thing
0: that will please Graham.
1: Yeah. Uh, it's called Down the Fidelity Curve is my my little motto. So I have started a new Instagram uh, called Down the Fidelity Curve. Uh, it's an Instagram account. And it is all about um, uh, low-resolution... Uh, well, actually here, let me, let me say it is not low resolution. It is uh, non-objective or low objective. Um, and I'm going to again uh, present a screen here. Um, so um, this is some of the examples of the work. Now, those of you who are on, The, um, who are listening on audio, you can check this out. My Instagram feed is down the fidelity curve, uh, for this. Um, so this is an example of some work, um,
2: way, way down,
1: way, way down. Um, and here's another, and I'm going to show you guys the lens that I use to take this with this has the bubbliest, this has bokeh um that is somewhat like um the uh the dandelion when it's in its seed state um so that's kind of um that bokeh. so um you know here's another example of this and there's another example of that and it all just so went for the people went.
0: listening at home we are looking at a lot of uh like Gram Graham uh, describe. Okay, so, so it's flour. like
2: three three AM on New Year's Day, uh, and the the revelry is going straight to hangover.
1: <laughs> okay. Yeah, and you can't focus on anything. Um okay, so what um uh this this is the lens. Um now uh most of this this is a Fuji to M forty five adapter. Then uh, an M, or excuse me, M42, not M45. And it is a 25 to 55 uh, adapter. It appears that my um, uh, JPEG viewer quit in the middle of that presentation, which is a little bit odd. And then there's a lens sitting on the end of it. Okay. So it is a part of, and I'm going to now switch out my uh lens that i'm using to uh to present myself and this is the lens now it's a little it uh i'm swapping out a twenty five millimeter lens for a lens that is um i think it's about sixty five millimeters and i think it is sixty five millimeters at um about f two something like that. So it is very soft. Now it is a single element and it is a double convex element. Now, uh, the double convex element came from an uncemented achromat pair. So, uh, an achromat pair is a positive meniscus, um, which is, um, uh, a lens that has a uh convex side and a concave side, and then that matches and the radius of the uh concave side matches a double convex um uh element those two cement together to make an achromat pair. well, I took the just the the um uh, double or the double convex version out of that. And, um, it's a, it's a 135, I think it's a 135 millimeter pair. Um, and the double convex comes out to about, to be about a 65 millimeter, uh, element. So it's very dreamy. Um, I think that this would have, um, fit the, um, uh, the, uh, negative positives, uh, cheesy 70s filter contest that nobody entered. And I didn't develop the lens until the contest was over. So, uh, but, and it's not really a filter, but it really gives you uh, that effect. So um, that's something uh, that I've been working on. Let me put my regular lens back on my Fuji camera.
2: You know, I'm, even on this blurry little uh screen I'm looking at right now that that lens looks pretty good. I I like what you're doing.
1: Yeah. So with my I do six. Not.
2: <laughs> okay,
1: that's fine. That's fine because you're all uh, all obsessed, you know, you're I'm into the Star got,
0: Destroyer. I want I want more of that camera. That camera. Yeah, great.
1: okay. <laughs> so part of the deal is that uh Ethan, you want to go up the fidelity curve. You're so so uh trapped mm-hmm. in the trappings of uh of commercialism and technology whereas i'm more spiritual okay just I want to get get that out of there okay so Eat that's you. one project um here's another project this is oh, cool. this is of course this is an early prototype kraken 612 body this is a lens cone now i want you to look at the size of this lens cone versus the Kraken 612. What do you guys notice about that for the people who are at home? Um, So it looks like Graham's
0: holding up a 612 camera with a short little uh, nose cone already mounted for a very short thing. And then he's uh, holding up another nose cone that looks kind of like the Star Destroyer to me, which is Uh ginormous. Uh mm-hmm. semi-rounded side triangle. Is that?
1: Yeah. What do you notice about the um, how how wide that aspect ratio is?
2: <laughs> a pretty wide. Yeah, it's, it looks like seventeen
1: centimeters, or something like that. Okay, so one of the reasons why uh, the Kraken six twelve was a six by twelve um, centimeter um, camera is because that's as big of a body as I can print on uh, my Ender 3. Now there's a a guy named Sean and I'm not going to identify him anymore until he is ready uh, to be um, outed as the person who has taken the Kraken 612 and modified it to be the Kraken 617. So a lot of people ask for a 6x17 um, body for the, for, for the Kraken, uh, 6x17 version of the Kraken. It just won't fit on my printer. I can't prototype it. Um, but Sean has a bigger printer, and he is doing that right now. Now, um, I have one that should be delivered to my house today, the body. I printed a lens cone, I can print a lens cone. Uh, I printed a lens cone, now I'm gonna put that together and there should be a Kraken 617 available. Um, the Kraken 617 is, uh, now, uh, one of the things that I wanna do is I wanna gauge whether there are people who are interested in a 6x17 version of the Kraken. Either as a set of files, you have to have a big volume, uh, a big um, uh, print plate, so it won't. Uh, and I will, I can get those that uh, get that information. So either as a printed assembled um, body or as a set of files. I just, I'm just gauging. Um, Uh, So that is something that is coming along, and I'm kind of excited about that.
2: I like the uh, aspect ratio better. When it's a little bit wider, it just just pushes you over the brink into really having to compose differently. I'm
1: excited to try it out. I really am excited to try it out. And I'm very excited that um, he wanted to um, take that ball and run with it. Uh, I'm, you know, uh, we're – I – I can't. I can't express how much I'm really excited about that. Um, I, I will also say that the Kraken project. I, you know, I kind of burned down on it. Like I didn't want to continue to develop it, even though I have made a six-four-five and a 6 x 6 and a 6 x 9 version. Um, I uh, and what I really wanted to do was a flexible body. Um, that you could readjust. Um, you'd have to have dedicated nose codes for each. Sorry,
0: flexible. You mean adjustable, not like additive. Adjustable, where you can bend it like some sort of Nick Lyle
1: accordion. A camera. flexible system. I see. Um not a an actual flexible body. But speaking of flexible bodies, look at this. Oh wow! What's that? Okay, so this is a um, leather bellows for a Kodak folder. And I'm gonna, you know, that's a six by nine um, uh, aspect ratio. It stretches out to maybe 15 centimeters. Um, and and um, this is a bellows from a folder. And then I'm gonna show you guys this. Um,
0: what are you holding on there? eBay? Which, I, I can see the video and I have no idea what that bag is.
1: Okay. So that bag is nothing but, I think it's 17. Did I get 17? Did I get 13? 13 <laughs> replacement bellows that have never been used. Okay.
0: For. Are they the same size or they're small? No,
1: they're multiple different sizes. Like this is, this looks to me like this is a 35 millimeter size, Um, you know, and here's another, and I've got multiples of each size. Um, So um, I, uh, these are, I just bought them as a lark. I mean, here's a couple more of the six by nines. Um and I ended up paying about four dollars and fifty cents per when I bought them all together. like this is uh um I don't know. that looks to me like a one twenty seven size. um <laughs> if that's a six by nine okay okay. Like
0: so you got a ziploc baggie, like a gallon baggie full of different odd sized replacement bellows for folding cameras
1: project for that's, me. So what, here, let me. Tell you. So that's
0: the beginning of the story. That's not the end of the story. Like what? What is? Oh no, that's <laughs> the, the beginning of the story
1: because that's all I've done. I haven't done anything with them. So that's two, four, six, eight, ten, twelve, thirteen, thirteen bellows, and I think I paid sixty-five bucks shipped. um So yeah, five bucks a piece. um okay,
0: What are they going to become, Graham? Who knows?
1: I don't know yet. <laughs> no, I don't stupid. know yet. Okay, so here's something else. Now I'm, um, uh, surplus shed uh, sent me an email that they were running a bunch of they were running a sale on a bunch of surplus achromats. So I bought a bunch of those. Everything from a 25 millimeter, 25 millimeter focal length by an 8 millimeter diameter. Okay. And, uh, I checked that that covers full frame. I don't know what I'm making out of these things. Um, so that's pretty much it. Um, I just, uh, it's, it's been a while. Um, and, uh, Oh, here, one more thing I want to mention, and this is for anybody to get a hold of me. Graham at homemade camera, Graham at homemade camera. Um, I, um, uh, I have uh, switched over fully to thirty-five millimeter digit or thirty-five uh digital camera digitation, um, and um, I um, have a new printer. My printer died, and so I bought an all-in-one for document scanning because I will tell you my Epson V seven hundred is overkill for scanning you know, uh, my performance review that I've signed that I've got to send back, you know, it's overkill for that. So if anybody needs an Epson V 700 gram at homemade camera, we can talk about it. We can talk about price. We can figure all that type of stuff out. So I have that to sell. Um, I think that that is pretty much everything that I have as a current, uh, project. Uh, it's been a while since we've
2: that, got that looks really great. You're, I'm really uh, thrilled by that huge pack of bellows. I love that kind of thing. Yeah, those look super useful. And I am I'm imagine you have so many, you, you should maybe make uh, something with extra eyes on it, you know?
1: Like- yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. And I just got the notification that the battery on my camera is dying. So I'm going to replace it uh right now so I'll be off camera for just a moment I mean Graham
2: could do the thing where you take you make a hoop of 120 film and have lenses pointing out in all directions instead of having film advance, in. you just fire one camera after the other until the whole roll is done
1: right right <laughs> you could, exactly you could wear it 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 around could be... around your
2: waist with straps over your shoulders like you know like yeah. those old barrel or... guys.
1: Yeah, or it could be
2: um, like the... Um, poor, poor Ethan, he's suffering.
1: Yeah. Um, or it could be a full 100-foot um, uh, uh, 100, 100 bulk roll of, um, of I don't know, slide film.
2: Or you could have a bandolier of cameras with a 4x5 plate behind each one, you know, and just uh, just... Just keep sliding, sliding it around.
1: I'm telling you, the next time I see somebody with a camera made out of a good humor um, bicycle, I'm going to come with a bandolier. There you go. <laughs> OK, so uh so, yeah, so I've got a lot of um irons in the fire and um uh, and I'm not sure what any of those things I think I talked about all of the things. That I had. Oh no! One more thing, one more thing. Um, uh, I'm holding up for those people at home a um an iris, and of course, an iris is both a flower flower. and a technical part of the camera. We talk about the aperture. The aperture is controlled by an iris. Uh, Bought this. um, Say it again. That looks like a microscope iris to me. It could be. I don't know. It it was available on AliExpress. Um, Maximum diameter is 35 millimeters, and its minimum uh, diameter is about two millimeters. So um, with a lens like this, I just have to put mate these two things together and suddenly I don't have waterhouse stops. I have adjustable actual stop, uh, you know, adjustable apertures. Um, so, uh, that to me is really good. I think it cost me, uh, it wasn't super cheap. I think it cost me about 30 bucks shipped from China with a weight of, you know, uh, probably a, so is that, brand, is that brand new? Brand new. Um, so uh, we talked up to, I think Freeman Lin, um, Watch Me Make on Instagram, was talking about these at some point. Um, I, he's the one I remember talking about Chinese apertures. Um, so... Uh, Chinese so... apertures.
2: I, I don't have all that much to report, but I do have to go to work today uh so i might uh, I might do a quick uh uh rundown of what i what I'm hoping to work on next uh if that's okay ethan yeah go ahead so um I'm trying to focus so the last three years, I've been just trying out a million different cameras, trying to learn more about them and People have been giving me you know, all their old cameras out of the closets and I've been picking stuff up in the flea markets and it got a little out of hand and I, I've got just way too many of them now. So I'm, um, I decided I, I needed to decide which things to work on and one way to finance that is to sell off a whole lot of cameras. So there's a big load going on eBay over the next week or so. And the upshot of it is I'm able to start on Uh, the next phase of digital photography that I want to do. So I bought a fancy camera.
1: Nick, what's your, um, what's your eBay username? So first of all, I can go look.
2: Uh, Mm I actually can't remember the whole thing. I'll, I'll look it up later. It's something I came up with a long time ago, Um, but I'll find, I'll look it up.
1: Okay. Look at the uh, YouTube um, comments. Uh, We'll try to get it in there and in the show notes on, um, sure uh, on the uh, podcast
2: okay so uh but the point is i've decided i wanted to focus on a bunch of camera builds and camera restoration projects that i have built up and but the goal is i'm more and more thinking that i want to move towards com- uh, sort of a hybrid process of um to make to to get it more and more into alternative process so what i'm looking for is really big negatives and for me, there's two ways to do that. I've got a, an eight by 10 camera to finish putting together, um, but I wanna go bigger than that. And for me, the most practical way is to print a digitally generated negatives with a, a regular printer that I have, and then use that to do contact print. And I'm gonna probably try and you know push that farther by you know, combining more than one negative and that kind of thing to get even bigger sizes. Uh, but, with that in mind, I wanted a, a, a really good digital camera for the initial uh, capture. So I do a lot of, so either a, a direct digital photograph or a film photograph that I, that I digitize using a digital camera. And I've been struggling with a, a, a small APS-C Fuji, which is a great camera, but it does some weird things with detail and color sometimes, and I'm run into trouble with that. Um, so this, this camera that I have now is still a Fuji, but it uses a regular CMOS sensor, so I don't have any of the strange stuff that happens in Lightroom and and uh, Photoshop.
1: With the to deal with, with the X Trans,
2: yeah, the X Trans makes the most beautiful, you know, straight digital images. But you do get into trouble sometimes with color and detail work using that software. Works fine with other software, but I'm I'm sort of stuck in Adobe world, so I'm going to stick with it. Anyway, this thing also has the digital camera has. An, a large uh, uh, sensor that's closer to square. And so it opens up another direction I want to go, which is stitching images. And one problem with stitching is that uh, if you've got a fixed lens and you're sliding the the, uh, camera body, digital camera body across that frame, as you get towards the edges, the oblique angles start to get uh, eclipsed by the size of the interior of the camera you're using to uh, photograph the the image, um, but a much bigger, wider you're talking sensor. About,
1: you're talking about using the camera as a shift stitch on the on back the back of another a, camera, on the back exactly. of like a four by five, right?
2: Exactly, right. Yeah. And, and you, you're, very, you're limited with the, the small, narrow APS-C throat, but with mm-hmm. this big, wide, medium format throat, which also has a very short flange back distance. And it also is designed so that you could crop it down to the uh, full frame size. Uh, in camera, it means that you can do much wider, freer uh, shift stitching with it. Um, And so I'm working then to build one of the first projects is a sliding back camera designed to make it fast for this process with a short flange back distance so I can use wider lenses. So basically I'm going to put a bellows right on the front of this digital camera uh, with a sliding back uh, setup. And, and an interchangeable lens board arrangement. Um, so that I can create these big files um, to make these big negatives to do direct contact printing. Um, and I'm really attracted to that. I love the way it looks. Uh, I really like this, the idea of really large negatives. Um, so that's that's a process that I'm working on. Um, but I can still use the film cameras to make the initial image as well. The point is that it all goes through this uh, Point where I digitize it to create the big negatives in the middle and then back to an analog process for making a print. Um, and that's just something that really, really appeals to me. I've wanted to do it for a long time. And so I'm sort of trying to get rid of some distractions and focus more on doing that uh, that work as, as my main next goal. Uh, so it breaks into several parts. Um, I have uh, cameras that, are, that I picked up for, you know, bargain prices or were given to me that need to be restored um, and uh, the other thing is some builds that I have in progress where I've, bought, I've got all the parts and I just have to assemble them and and make some uh, connectors to, to make it all work. Uh, so I guess sort of like catch up I guess I want to spend the next year catching up with all the ideas I've had and all the bits and pieces I put together um, and actually create this kind of workflow where I go from my favorite ways to take pictures into a really large negative for contact printing, if that makes sense.
1: Sounds, sounds exciting. Um, what, uh, you're going to contact print these. Are you going to contact print them using traditional, uh, printing paper, black and white, uh, printing paper? Um, yes
2: yes, but I also want to get into alternative process where I create my own emulsion various different ways of doing that um, oh yeah yeah
1: yeah right yeah there's um i mean i even have a um uh, a kit of uh what is it light in a box of, mm-hmm. uh liquid light liquid yeah. light.
2: there we go that's, that's a good that's a good place to start and there are all sort i've got many books of recipes. Um, a few that I particularly want to try um, mm-hmm. so cool. that's the next thing cool uh,
1: are you I know i <laughs> I know where you live, so cyanotypes would be challenging, but are you you know uh, thinking about getting an uh, UV lamp and maybe doing some of those? Or? well
2: we have we have plenty of uh, bright days, um, but yeah. UV lamps are a good idea as well i've I'm interested in trying cyanotype. I don't actually yeah. care for the blue color, but if you oh. bleach them and stain them with something like tea, you can get lovely yeah. browns. So that's,
1: that's, yeah. an, that's one. I get. actually, I actually like the blue. Um, and, uh, and I've, uh, I've done them outside and, uh, and I really, I, one of the things that I like about them is the quality of paper that you can, um, you can, um, uh use i mean this is this is uh i'm holding up a cyanotype and I, of course i'm in black and white let me go back to color um and it is a blue uh um uh cast cyanotype okay it goes that way.
2: yeah um, so there's so many different methods of, yeah. of of creating your own emulsion on a piece yeah. of lovely paper
1: that um there's a lot to try <laughs> But again, what I love about it is the ability to use paper that is—it's—it's it's not RC, so it's not a piece of plastic that sits yeah. on top of uh, the fiber paper, and the fiber can come through and right. Yeah,
2: so and now the other thing I'd like to do is—is is create um, basically make posters, so make affordable large prints, and the smart way to do that is to create the right digital file and send it off to some factory somewhere that cranks them out. So. That's another yeah. direction to go with yeah. all of this. But having a really good way to, to digitize art, essentially, is a central mm-hmm. part of it. Uh,
1: Do many. you have a, um, a large format inkjet printer? Any
2: I have a pretty big one. I think it's 19 inch uh, by 13. Um, mm-hmm. And I, you know, I, I have mixed feelings about it. I can mm-hmm. make images I like with it, but I'm never completely happy but I think okay. as a way to generate large negatives, it's uh, it's got a lot of potential.
1: Yeah, uh, I have access to a 42 inch um, roll paper um, uh, Epson P8,000, 800, P8,000. And I, I just think the quality that comes off those things is amazing um you know it's it's more than you really want to have hanging around your house printer wise but um uh right I have, but there's
2: plenty plenty of people you can slip up some money to and they'll print it for you so you don't right. have to own and maintain the technology yourself. right
1: absolutely um one of the things um uh i just did uh an art show that um was at my school it was a faculty art show um, and I had my work printed by Shutterfly. And Shutterfly uses um, fuji, what is it crystal, whatever. It uses uh, light sensitive photographic, traditional color photographic paper um, that is exposed in uh, exposed to light. So it's essentially a photograph. It does have a digital component in between. And there are lots of people for whom that is sacrilege. Uh, But I will tell you after um, working in the darkroom for the last year and then giving away my enlarger, uh, I did that because I am not good at printing in the darkroom. So I have it is it may be sacrilege, but it is the way I get my prints. So. I don't have any problem yeah, with, not, right. with doing a, have, sending them off, uh, having a digital uh, inter um, uh, step. Um, uh, I think that that works really well. I love a photograph in my hand, but that doesn't mean that I'm good at creating that final photograph. So,
2: and I really like working in color, and that adds just ridiculous amount of complication and chemistry if you're trying to do it all yourself. Yeah. Yeah. Yep.
1: I still have that Ra4 kit for whichever one of you wants it, <laughs> but uh, yeah, maybe I'll uh, maybe I'll uh, um, uh, bring it out for the great uh, Seattle Summit of uh, Homemade Camera Seattle Summit. That
2: that would be really really great if you guys can come out here.
1: Yeah, yeah, for twenty twenty five. I'm, I'm <laughs> okay. Should we wrap this thing up? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, I'm I'm good. I've said I've said my piece. Uh, Nick, you said your you said what you. Nick's in a dark room um, that has got progressively lighter. Uh, yeah.
2: Well, so yeah, this lighter. terrible cheap webcam I have uh, was was just making horrible color, and I I just yeah. quickly taped a filter over it to solve that problem.
1: Yeah. Here, let me do this. Yeah.
2: I, I should I should get a a different arrangement this thing is it's it's ugly yeah. i've got um, some gels maybe i'll play with those <laughs> <okay>.
0: Yeah. <laughs> should we thank robbie uh, here we can keep talking but i think we have uh no i'm
1: playing with my camera i'm playing yeah, with my okay. camera. Settings. people don't need
0: to listen to us play with cameras.
1: okay <laughs> um yeah so if you want to get a hold of us you can get a hold of us uh, Nick at homemadecamera.com camera.com Graham at homemadecamera.com Ethan, uh, is camera at, or is it Ethan, Ethan at, Cam- at Cam- camera and also Ethan at-, at cameradactyl.com or, um, at Cameradactyl, uh, or, or any of the, the other ones. Um, we want to thank, who do we want? Is there anybody we, Oh, let's just a uh, Matt Beckberger. Congratulations on another successful Kickstarter. Um I uh, I'm I've been trying to buy stock in Matt Beck, Beck, Beck Uh <laughs> uh he uh, he's killing it. Um uh I am really looking forward uh to see what his next project is and his next product is. Um uh anything else any shout outs you guys have uh Nick anybody <sighs>
2: Uh, no, not right at
1: the moment. Okay, Ethan? No, my own badass self. Okay, um, I want to shout out to Ethan. I want to shout out to Nick. Um, let's say, um, thanks to Robbie Cribs of SoundTrapStudios.com. Uh, he's the one who, uh, composed and I'll... Uh, recorded and allows us to use our theme music each time we do a podcast. So thanks, Robbie. Thanks, Thanks, Robbie.
0: Robbie. Okay. And I'm going to stop the.